Thanks for listening to the 242 Young Adults Podcast with Pastor Justin Corkum. Our prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to your life in Christ. Turn your Bibles to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. We started a series called Community. And uh, how many remember when we started that series? Like how many weeks ago? It was like three. Um, And we started this series and... Really, we've been focusing on, I mean, our church as a whole, obviously, has been focusing on community and moving towards um, what we call connect groups, uh, which is basically just home groups that we're, we're all meeting in. It's not just a young adults thing, but it's a church-wide thing. Um, but for us, we've been meeting together now uh, for, I mean, it's been a while. Since the beginning of the year, we, we kind of started these connect groups. But the official launch was just in September. And so uh, we, we've started this series in last month we talked about how there are there are foundational elements uh, in community and, and the first was Christ the second was trust uh, and the third was people and, and so that was what we were exploring these past couple weeks uh, in, in connect group and and what those relationships mean what our relationship with Christ means to us uh, what it means to trust uh, other people what it means to even uh, be involved in individuals lives around us to have uh, a common unity with people around us, uh, and and the key word there is is people. Uh, we can't do life alone. Uh, if we try to do it alone, we're 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 gonna fail. We're gonna fall, and we're gonna have nobody to pick us up. And uh, and so we talked about how important it is to have that community around us. So tonight, we're gonna be kind of moving forward into a very I think powerful. Uh, it's going to be a, a powerful meeting, not just meeting tonight, but for the for the meetings to come and, and the homes that we're in and, and the groups that we have, that we're going to be really focusing in on, on telling uh, our story and sharing our story with each other. And, uh, you know, the thing about a story, I mean, it's crazy how society, I mean, it's almost ingrained in us, right? Like, we just love stories. Um, I, I think about, you know, when you when the classic scene where the family and my family was a very traditional family. I mean, from from when we were I mean, before we all moved out and most of us got married, like we were we were all home 20, 2012 summer of 2012. We were all home. All four guys. We were still having, you know, dinner around the dinner table all together as a family. And and I think about all the conversations around the dinner table and how. How it, it revolved around stories. When you get together with with family, or you 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 know go, especially the holidays, right? All of the times that you're you're going to be hanging out with different people, friends, relatives, and, and how much of that conversation revolves around stories, stories that we share. I love telling stories. It's like a lot of fun, and I like to pump them up and like add a bunch of details that actually like really embellish and like. But that's me. I just I love telling stories. And I think about why I paid 15 bucks when I lived in New Jersey because that's how much a movie ticket costs. But I, I paid 15 bucks to go see uh, a movie in IMAX uh, time and time and time and time again. When I moved up here, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing, like $7 movies. This is awesome. It's like half the price. And uh, and so I, I think about how our it, it's just within us. We desire a good story. Why the heck would I pay 15 bucks to go see a movie? It's because I'm hoping that it's going to be a good movie. And I'm saying, oh, God, 
I really want this to be a great movie. I don't want to waste my money. And then I went and saw Transformers, and I threw all $15 away down the drain. And, uh, and so how many times do you go? Anybody been mad when you go to a movie and it just was terrible? And you're like, I wasted my money. I went and saw The Last Airbender. Y'all know what I'm talking about right there. The worst movie I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, maybe that's not true. But it was, it was pretty darn near close. And so it got me thinking, you know, there, there are a lot of commonalities, right, between stories, storytelling, right? We, we all can tell a story, but there's a big difference between a good story and a bad story. And we've all seen those movies where we're like, terrible. And I was like, I wonder, anybody here of Rotten Tomatoes? We all know it. We all check it. We want to make sure the movie's good before we see it. We check it there. And, and I was wondering, I wonder if there's a movie that scored zero, like zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, so I, I looked it up, and behold, I found a plethora of movies that, uh, that scored zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. One of them was, uh, was Jaws the Revenge. It was like the fourth. It was like the fourth sequence of Jaws. It was like completely horrible. And then I said, "Well, how many how many movies have actually gotten like a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes?" And there's actually quite a few that have gotten a hundred percent. One of them, which you know, I think most of us have have heard of the movie Toy Story. Um, so that's that's a, a nod to you know to a hundred percent movie. Anyway, why am I saying this? I, I think about our our story. And, and and who we are, right? Our story. And if somebody was to watch your story, would it be a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes or would it be a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes? And I think ultimately in our own lives, we are, and let's, let's say we're our own worst critics, right? To, to bring it back to a movie term. Critics, what do they do? They just dissect a movie. They tear it apart. I mean, if you read some of the reviews on some of these movies, they just completely tear these things to shreds. And oftentimes, we're our own worst critic, and we look at our lives, and, and, and we give ourselves a lower percentage than maybe what we should. And there are times where, you know, maybe tonight, even tonight, you're sitting in this room, and, and you don't feel like, you know, you feel like your movie is a 4.5 stars out of 100. You know, and, and you're like, God, I, I, you know, my life just hasn't, it hasn't ended up the way that I wanted it to. You know, maybe I didn't, I didn't score the career that I was looking for. Or I, I never made it to college or I didn't pursue the dreams that I desired to in my life. And right now I'm sitting here and I would say, and if I'm honest before you, God, that I just don't feel like my story is where it needs to be. Now, I know most of you in this room. And I know that a lot of you have had an encounter with God. And I know that God has, has brought you uh, through maybe uh, your past life and, and, and you've, you've shed the past and, and you've moved forward in your relationship with God. And God's done a transformational work in you. And that's an incredible story. And that's a story that we're all going to be hearing uh, over the next couple weeks. And uh, this, is, this is the story of how God took you from where you were and, and brought you to where you are right now. In our Connect group last week, we kind of bunny trailed a little bit and we were talking about, because I kind of, I always view things in, in, like a movie, 
Uh, I just very the thing the way that my brain works, and I love videography. I love shooting video, and so and so I just kind of I thought about all of our group and like and 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 having a movie where there's all these flashback scenes of everybody at at the same time in life and where they were, and, and that movie slowly progressing from you know we'll say like 1990 to to 91, 92, 93, 94, and we're just kind of scrolling through everybody's story, and then all of a sudden, here we are sitting together in a group in 2016, and we can look back through that story and see what God did to bring us here. And we all have a story, and you're going to be sharing that story with each other this week, how God brought you into this room from, from wherever you were. We All of our lives have crossed, crossed paths tonight. How cool is that? We have a story to tell, but the story that you're going to be sharing is not exactly the story that I want to focus on. tonight. See, because God has done great things in your life. But what I want to talk about tonight is, is what's, what's next? What, are we, what is the story that God desires for us to tell in our lives in the future? Because God has already done amazing things in our lives. He's brought us from, from maybe a, a terrible place, maybe you know we were just in a complacent place, but he's brought us here, and now he has a desire to bring us forward and to do even greater things for him. And so what I want to talk about is, is how God can transform your story. Obviously, he's transformed your story for a lot of you, and, and you know that, but God desires to do a lot more transforming. God desires, yeah. Just had to. I just gave the plug to Transformers, right? So I had to squeeze it in. But God desires to bring you forward. God desires to see more done in your life. And if I can't, I mean, you guys have probably heard me say this till I'm blue in the face, but, but dream big for your life. If I can't say that enough, dream big for your life because God desires for you to do amazing things. So don't desire any less, all right? And so I just want to jump into the book of Joshua. We're going to be in chapter 3. And so if you guys want to, uh, to go to vo- uh, verse 14 of Joshua chapter 3. Perfect. We'll be reading from verse 14 to chapter 4, verse 2, and verses 20 to 24 of chapter 4. It says this, it says, So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And this is the people Israel. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men from each tribe. Tell them to take twelve stones from the very place 
where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the twelve stones taken from the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and He kept it dry until you were all across, just as He did at the Red Sea when He dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray. God, we just ask tonight that you would be glorified, that through the preaching of your word, through what you would have to speak to us tonight, we would be challenged. Lord, that our expectation uh, of our own lives and what you have for us to do, God, would just be greater. Lord, we would just seek uh, just a, a greater expectation even now. And God, we ask, Lord, tonight that you would just speak to us, soften our hearts, uh, convict us, God, draw us close to you. Uh, so that we could glorify you even greater in our lives, O oh God. And we just give you thanks for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. To give a little bit of background, right now the Israelites, um, you know, they, they got delivered from, from Egypt. Um, and at this point, God brought them out of Egypt, but they didn't trust him. So they were wandering in, in, in the desert, in the wilderness, for 40 years. I mean, 40 years. Because they didn't trust God. And now Joshua, now Moses was leading the people at that time, and Moses has just passed away, and now Joshua has kind of taken up the mantle. He's got a really, really big set of shoes to fill. And, uh, and so now God is, is bringing them to that land that he promised. And so at this point, the, the nation of Israel needs to get across the Jordan River uh, to, to get to where God promised, to the land that God promised. them. And so they get there, and there's a bit of an issue. Uh, the issue is that right now it's pretty much the worst time in the world for, for a group of people, especially as large number as they were, uh, to cross the Jordan River. It was, it was at the point of the season where it was most overflowing. So they had a big issue in front of them. And so I kind of just want to go through this passage of Scripture and just hit a couple points. For us to see God uh, really transform our story, to, to see God take our story to the next level, there are a couple things that we, we must do. There are a couple things that we must see. There are a couple elements that need to be present uh, in our lives in order to see that transformation, to see that development in our story, and to see God do greater things in our life. And the first thing is for God to, to move us to the next level, for us to keep growing in our faith, for us to, to do the things that are beyond our imagined, right? To, to do the things, to, to tell that great story, to see God use our lives in a great way. We must face opposition. And, and let me clarify, it's not, a, it's not in a sense that you're bound for bad things to happen, but it's almost like a, 
I, 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 I liken it to almost like a linebacker, right, or, or, or football, right? So you got these guys that are just, their eyes are gunning at that quarterback. And, yeah, they've got, you know, a person in front of them that's, that's keeping them from getting them to that quarterback. They've got that opposition. But, but they're like, all right, bro, I'm about to just roll over you and get to your quarterback. There's that determination to face opposition when it comes your way. Because Jesus said that, that we will have trouble in this world, but we are to fear not because he has, he has overcome the world. He's overcome every single trouble that you could ever face. And so for us, we need to know that we, we must face that opposition when it comes to not back away, to not shy away, but to stand and face it and move past it for God's glory. Verse 14 in 15a, it says, So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them, and it was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing at its banks. If, if we don't leave our camp, we're never going to cross our Jordan. And I think about it this way. These Israelites were really good at camping. They've been doing it for quite some time now, 40 years, right? They're like pro campers. They know what it's like to camp. And, and, and actually, they've been staying in a place for for almost the longest period of time um, that they had ever stayed in one place as a nation. And I think it's really interesting that, that God was calling them to move, to, to get up off their butts and to do something. And he was leading them to a place of opposition. Right? The, the, the place that he was taking them was not a convenient place. He was actually taking them uh, and needed to lead them through an obstacle. And oftentimes I think about how comfortable it must have been the life of a camper, right? The life of a of a wanderer. Because these were Israelites at this point, they they were nomads. They were a nation just wandering. And how comfortable that must have been after 40 years. I mean, you're talking about a group of people who grew up in the desert. I mean, this was their life. This is all they knew how to do comfort you know it's i think it's one of the biggest challenges that keeps us uh from moving forward where god maybe is directing us because how many know god will direct us to some uncomfortable places he's going to bring us to to do things that we feel are are quite uncomfortable you know, whether it be to to like we've been talking about in Connect Group and, you know, one of the challenges we gave our group last week was just to really be intentional um, and, and to be involved in a per, one person's life this week, uh, to do something um, that just pushes you, that stretches you. And, and so for us, I think, you know, sometimes that's that's going to push us out of our comfort zone. And the people of Israel, I mean, think about if they refuse to leave their camp. They would have never been able to tell this story. And I think that God desires for each and every one of you to be able to tell a story, to glorify God, to, to see what God has done in your life, to point all the glory back to Him. But it's going to take us getting out of our camp, getting out of our comfort zone, and, and, and crossing that River Jordan. So 
right now, and this is going to be sort of the thing that drives tonight, I want you to start thinking about your Jordan Rivers right now. The things in your life that you would consider the obstacles that are keeping you from telling the great story. Right? The obstacle in front of you that, that, is, that is your nemesis. That is the thing that you, you can't see beyond at this point. All right? So whatever that Jordan River is for you, if you don't have the trust in God to move where He's directing you, then you're never going to be able to tell the story to glorify God. And that's exactly uh, what the Israelites faced at this moment. Uh, Dr. Ralph Wilson just wanted to read this this quote. I thought it was really powerful. It says, uh, when we're too comfortable with things in our lives or perhaps have accepted the compromises for too long, it's difficult to make the changes necessary to realign ourselves with God's will. The more often that we stay in our comfort, the longer we stay in our comfort, the harder it is uh, to be doing what God's calling us to do. Because I'll tell you right now, God hasn't called you to be comfortable. And and that's just, I mean, if, <laughs> if you're upset with that, then I'm sorry. But God hasn't called you just to live a comfortable life. Uh, God's called you to change people's lives. And that's not comfortable sometimes. And so that's where we really need to come to grasp on what God has called us to as a believer and to see if maybe if there's some things that I need to kind of readjust in how I view being a Christian. And so God hasn't called you to comfort. He's called you to change people. And so when we get comfortable, we avoid discomfort. That's just the very nature of it. When I get into my routine, I know I wake up, I have breakfast, I go to work, and then I have lunch, and then I work, and then I come home, then I Netflix, then I have a snack, then I have coffee, and then I go to bed. Maybe you don't have coffee before you go to bed. Sometimes I do because it's decaf and I'm able to. But I think we get so comfortable with routine and, and just what's going on in, in our own lives that we forget what God has called us to. That God hasn't called you to a routine. God's called you, like I said, to be there for lost people, to see lost people saved. To see lost people discipled and walking with people through their lives and seeing them change and seeing them change people and, and seeing that contagious effect just continue to, to happen in our lives. So when we get comfortable, we avoid discomfort. And, and like Israel, they were camped out like usual. They could have refused to face the opposition in front of them. I mean, their parents did. Their parents said, eh, no way we're going over there. Those people are huge. Yeah, right. And they stayed in their comfort. The greatest stories we could ever tell are dependent on whether we trust God enough to leave our comfort and cross that Jordan. The second thing is we need to let God lead no matter where. What I think is awesome is that God brings them to the Jordan River at the worst time. There are times when the Jordan was low enough to where you could walk across. But the time that God brings them across is the time when it's actually the most overflowing. It's the most difficult. And you know, some people, you know, you could say, well, you know, why don't why didn't they just swim across? I don't know. If I grew up in the desert for my entire life, maybe 
maybe swimming might not be the best idea. <laughs> maybe I've never taken a swimming lesson in my life. But, you know, you had to account for the children. You had to account for the livestock and all the other property and possessions they had that they needed to cross over as well. It was an impossible task. And I love that God leads us to impossible tasks. Uh, and why do you think that? God brings us to impossible tasks. Well, because if he brings us to an impossible task, and then it actually gets accomplished, then we know we can't get any of the credit. I mean, think about, think about Gideon, right? This guy's going up against a countless army. Like Midianites, like, like they're, they're countless army. And what does God say? And he's like, hmm, I mean, you got like thousands of people, thousands against a countless army. He's like... You know what? I think it's actually still too big. Why don't we cut it to 300? How does that sound? Just, just, just because once that, if you had a couple thousand, you guys might still be tempted to say that we did this on our own. So let's get it down to a number where people will look at it and go, "Yeah, there's no way. It had to be God." And that's that's what God. I think it's it's awesome because we're able to be put in a position to give God glory. I mean, do you ever think about that? Like that we can actually glorify God, that our lives can point back to God, that our lives can point people to Him, and how powerful that is. And so we need to let God lead no matter where He's taking us, because wherever He's taking us, there's a great work to be done. Second thing is we must fix this clicker. It's just not going to go. There it is. I just needed like an extra, like, extra ump. See, God, transform our story. We must take steps of faith. we got to face opposition. We've got to have our, our, our eyes set on, on glorifying God and pressing through any opposition that faces us. But we've got to take steps of faith. Verses 15b to 16, it says, But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up at a great distance away at a town called Adam, which was near Zarethan. The water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Wow, we're going now. A great story often requires a step of faith. I think about movies. I obviously, when you think about storytelling, I just I, I keep going just back to, to movies and and how many movies we see. And I was talking with my wife last night, and and how how many real life stories. My brother texted me the other day a true story, a true story, or a movie based on a true story uh, that just came out, um, Hacksaw, Hacksaw Ridge or something like that. Um, he's like a Andrew Garfield fan, so that's that's new. Um, but anyway, he uh, he texted he texted us last night. He said, "Dude, the movie was so I gotta talk about it to my brother. Dude, the movie was so inspirational. Like I, I just watched the whole thing. It was just amazing." You guys should go see it. It was awesome. And uh, and it made me think, like, wow, like how many movies are based on true stories? And and I think it's just funny how, you know, we 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 love to tell Eve sports movies, you know, how 
I lo- I look at the uh, the movie that um, what's his name? It's it was that Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles. They they held the open training camps and Mark Wahlberg tried out. Well, not literally, but the character of Mark Wahlberg. Anybody remember? It just came to me right now. I'm just thinking about this movie. But like I think about this movie, right? And and the guy gets he gets onto the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and he's just like this Joe Schmo on the street. They had open tryouts. He made the team. Uh, and and he had like this one good play, like where he picked up a fumble and ran it. He didn't. I don't even know if he scored a touchdown. I think he might have scored a touchdown. But but it wasn't even like a championship game or it was just like a regular game. But in the movie, like when it gets to that pinnacle moment, like you would have think that like it was the Super Bowl or something. Like and this guy just like won the entire Super Bowl. That that was like how incredible it felt and, and how the story was told. And you're so attached to the character. And my wife was just saying like. Even you think about the stories like Braveheart and, and, and just uh, you know these these lot these real life stories that that are depicted in movies and how we as individuals we look to these movies and we're inspired by historical past and, and when we look back at historical past it, it it gives us some sort of encouragement or faith to move forward uh, in, in historical future and, and this is exactly what was happening for the people of Israel. I mean, they were looking back. They were facing the Jordan River, and what do you think was going through their minds? Well, historical past said that our people crossed the Red Sea. So, I mean, if that happened, no problemo. Jordan River. And I think that how God, in each and every single one of our lives, we we have an historical past. God has done something in your life. Uh, there's a there's a song that we sing by Elevation Worship uh, on on church on church on Sundays and it says that I, I will look back and see that you're faithful and I look ahead believing you're able and and when we look back at what God has done it fills us with faith to move forward in the future and God has given you victories in your life and you need to remind yourself of the victories that God has given you because it's those victories that fill you with faith in order to move forward so that you can experience even greater victory in the future. A great story often requires a step of faith, and I think about how oftentimes we do this. Uh, you know, we get this, 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 I guess, this expectation of, of faith, and we see these great movies where these people do things beyond our imagination, and, and, and that translates into Scripture where we see David slaying Goliath or or maybe Elijah praying fire down from heaven, or Samson like beating the tar out of a thousand Philistines with the donkey's jawbone. And we see these incredible stories. Peter steps out on the water, and he's able to walk on, on water. And, and, and we see this faith um, that's, that's almost beyond our grasp. And, and we almost we, we fill ourselves with like the, the immediate expectation of, well, that's what needs to happen immediately for me. I need to see, you know, I need to see fire from heaven. You know, I need to see acts of uh, beyond, you know, the, the realm of normalcy and, and the supernatural. And, and I believe that's true. But I believe you can't, you can't see that measure of faith until you're willing to take a step, a small step of faith. And, and faith, it increases. As, uh, like I said, those victories in your past. When you when you experience those victories, it gives you greater faith for what what comes next, and it starts with a single step. And I love 
that it says that as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water began to split. It didn't split before they got there. It, it, it didn't just say, oh, okay, they're on their way, let's go. Start splitting. No, it, it, it stayed a regular overflowing Jordan River, and they had to put their foot in the water before something happened. And I think for us, you know, I think about my, my son, little step of faith, just a, just a little step of faith. And, and uh, a baby's first step, just how special it is, right? And uh, when Judah took his first step, it was like, uh, you know, first, like when you, when you began to see him sort of get up, like your phone was like always like, just there like you just needed to have it just in case you know and you got your your phones like on your hip and you're just ready for this kid to take a step and and uh but let me tell you a kid's first step is is not glamorous it's awkward bow legs and and pigeon-toed feet and trying to stand up support the weight of his body and his head is like probably the heaviest thing on him and and his legs are like wobbling and and you know he's tumbling he's falling i mean a first step probably for most people ends in in a crash a thud you, you land on your butt kids crying his butt off because he fell after that first step it's not a glamorous thing but but then i was thinking about my reaction my wife's reaction a parent's reaction i mean it just heck it's just a regular just any person's reaction or a parent's reaction to their child i mean when their child first takes like a step, they're clapping, they're shouting, they're like, come on, you can do it, yeah, this is awesome, where's my phone, oh. You're texting your family, and you're like, oh my God, you to walk today, he took a step today, and you're like, this is amazing, and you're posting on Facebook, and you want to see how many likes you get, because that's what we do, and I started thinking like, man, it's just a simple step. And you know me, I always have to bring it back to God and us, right? If God calls us a child, I've never seen a child go, son, bad form. That was terrible form. Like, you should have done better. You should have done better on that first step. No. But how often when we try to take a step of faith, and, and you know, it might look awkward for us. It might feel awkward. We might be wobbling. Uh, and it might end in a fall. And we think God's there saying, bad form. Bad form, you should have done better. But you get the picture of a loving God saying, come on, you can do it. You can take another step. I'm proud of you for that tiny, little, trembling, shaking, baby-like step that you just took. And I think we need to remember that each step of faith that we take in our, our life, it might not be fire from heaven yet. But it will be one day. It might not be this glamorous, crazy, supernatural experience yet. But, but be faithful when God calls you to take a tiny, small step of faith that seems in, in, insignificant. Be faithful. And trust Him. Because as you trust Him with those little tiny steps, when you trust Him to take a step 
into the Jordan River's edge, then you're going to be able to trust Him when you need a part of Red Sea, right? A great story often requires a step of faith. Third thing we got to do is, in order to see God transform our stories, to bring to bring us to another level, right? We're talking about moving forward here, greater expectation for our life and what God has for us. We need God's presence. Verse 17 says this, Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. I think it's amazing that God's presence was central in the story. We talked about last service, right? The Ark of the Covenant, it represented the very presence of God, His power, like the very like His presence among the people. That's what it represented. And what was parked right in the middle of the obstacle, right in the middle of the story, was the presence of God. I think that that is a huge lesson for us to learn. Because when we keep God's presence central in our story, that's when we begin to see things change. And I guess a, a good application point for us right now is, is, you know, look at your life. I mean, look inwardly right now. Search your heart right now. And, and ask God if he is central in your story, if what you have, what you, what your life consists of right now, is God central in your story? Is God's presence evidently central in your story? Oftentimes, like I, I mentioned before, you know, the thought of swimming across the river and, and kind of doing it on their own strength. I think it's a uh, you know, we all have Jordan rivers. It might be a financial river. Maybe it's finding purpose is your, your river or relationships, sin, overcoming sin, uh, loving your enemy. You know, there, it could be a number of things that, that could be our Jordan rivers in our lives. And oftentimes we think that we can just swim across our Jordan rivers. Well, don't worry, God, I can take care of this. I can will myself. Uh, you know, to love that person. I can will myself to, to stop sinning or I can, I can just, I'll, I'll take care of it myself. And we push God's presence out of the, the equation. We say, you know what, God? We always say, I trust you, but God, like, and do we really trust him? You know, and so I think for all of us, to, to begin to look at our own lives and and say, wow, God, like, where is where's my heart? You know, if I'm if I'm struggling financially and, and that's something that I'm going through, are you central in my finances? Like, have I made the the right decisions financially when it comes to to you? Because, I, you know, we know the scriptural principles of giving and and, and what what that means for us. And, and uh, you know, whether it be tithing or just 
you know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 says that, you know, just give. It's not a 10% thing. Give as much as you're able to. You know, obviously don't give to the point where, you, you, you know, you can't take care of your family or, you know, that, that type of thing. But if you have extra income, just give. And that's the stance in the New Testament. So that's like, you know, a lot of people get all hopped up on the 10% thing. But, and they're like, oh, this Old Testament thing. I'm like, yeah, but you realize what the New Testament says? <laughs> so yeah, that's a lot more than 10% in the New Testament. But, you know, we, we look at, and this is, maybe this is, I'll just focus on the financial part. Man and the natural law says that in order to have financially, you must you must receive and hold on in order to to have, and that's sort of meant. You you get you work for something, you get money, you keep that money for yourself, and that's how you gain. But God's system is so much different. God's system says you receive something, you give it away. And you gain. And it doesn't make sense in the natural. But oftentimes, there are many things in our life, there are many Jordan Rivers in our life that we can look at through a natural perspective, a man-made perspective, and think, well, this is what I should be doing. But if God's presence isn't central, if God isn't central in that Jordan River, then you're not going to overcome it. You're not going to walk through it. You're not going to see victory in it. And so it's very important that we keep God's presence central in our story. Man, those priests didn't leave until everybody had crossed over. I wonder how long they were like chilling there. Because you know there was like some old ladies who were like taking their sweet time. Like they trip over a rock and then like, they're like, oh, I got, I can't, I'm like, I can't help you because I'm like holding the Ark of the Covenant. So, like, hey, can we get somebody over here to help her up? Like, how many of those people they were like waiting on just to get across? And we're talking about a lot of people here. And they stayed right in the middle. God's presence stayed right in the middle of the story. And I think another powerful thing that we need to look at is that a great story has people who stand in the gap. Because that's what these priests did. I mean, they, they stayed there the entire time. They stood right in one place, and they, they literally stood in the gap for the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel saw victory because of these people that facilitated the presence of God in their life. Now, what does that mean for us? You need to have people in your life who are going to stand in the gap for you. You need to surround yourself with people. And that's why I'm such a huge advocate of these connect groups is because you are intentionally surrounding yourself with people who are going to stand in the gap for you in your life. When you have weak times, you're going to have a community around you that's going to lift you up. When you're discouraged, you got a hand that picks you up off the ground. When you feel like running away from community, you're going to have somebody who just rings you by the neck and, and takes you back into community and makes sure that you're not doing life on your own because you need to surround yourself with people who are going to fill in the gap for you when you need it. Now, on the flip side, you need to be that person. You need to be an individual who fights for other people. You need to be an individual who fills in the gap for them. For When they're weak, you pick them up. 
When they're struggling, you're walking with them side by side. When they feel like running away, you ring them by the neck and make sure that they don't get away from community because it's what they need. We're talking about accountability. You need to facilitate the presence of God in the lives of people. These priests were were facilitating His presence. God's presence was in the middle of this situation. And I think when it comes down to it, every person who crossed that River Jordan knew that it wasn't because of their own strength. It wasn't because of anything in their own ability. It was because of the presence of God that they saw the victory that day. And if you want to begin to see victory in your life, if you want to see God use you in the miraculous, if you want to see God using you to win souls on a daily basis, if you want to see God using you as an evangelist, a person to preach the gospel, to declare the goodness of God, to change lives around you, you need to make sure that you keep God's presence central in your life because you will not see those victories if the presence of God is not in the middle of everything in your life because we're so tempted to do it on our own. I'll say, I'll be honest, man. It's easy to get into that like routine of depending upon yourself. Now, as a pastor, it's my responsibility to challenge and encourage and, 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 and to help and walk with people through their, their relationship with God and their life and, and to be a support system to them. And, and, and it's so tempting to try to do that on your own strength. And the devil's going to do everything he can to make sure that you don't keep God's presence central in your life. Because if he can keep you from keeping God in the center, he's going to keep you from a lot of victories. Because the victory comes with the presence of God. God's presence stayed central in the story. And there were people that surrounded the nation of Israel and stood in the gap for them. God transforms our story when we face opposition, take steps of faith, and stay dependent on His presence. And if we want to see God continue to work, I think and this is not really, this is more of like a after God shows up and does something. Kind of closing out, last point, it would be, we got we to tell the story. We got to tell the story. If you look at the remaining passage here, it says, When all the people crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12, uh, 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. So imagine this. They're walking across, and 12 guys out of the multitude are chosen. That as, they're, as they're, the priests are standing in the middle, these guys are going over there. And now we're, we're not just like talking like, rock here and and uh, we're gonna let me just put that there and and uh and oh, he'll grab another little rock and we'll just set that there got a nice little monument to the lord here no i mean we're talking they're going to the middle of the river and they're they're getting they're getting a rock man like they're getting a like like a dude like this and they're they're hanging it on their shoulder and they're walking out so these guys are just kind of chilling in the middle of uh, the priests rather are chilling in the middle and these guys are coming, picking up one rock after another. So these 12 guys, they get these rocks. Let's continue. God says, carry them out and pile them up at the place where you camp tonight. And it was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones 
taken from the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes. He kept it dry until you were across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up and until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. I just want to close out with just why we need to tell the victories of God in our life. We need to tell those stories. And like I said, you're going to, over the next couple of weeks, um, and and we'll kind of do some housekeeping afterwards, but we've got... a. Uh, We've got some things that we want to kind of go through. And, and uh, over the next couple of weeks, you're going to be sharing your stories. You're going to be sharing the victories that God has, has provided in your life, the things that you've seen God do in your life up to this point. And you probably have seen these three elements facing opposition, taking steps of faith, and needing God's presence up until this point. You, you've, you've encountered those three elements on your way to telling this story. And you're going to continue to need to face opposition and overcome it. You're going to continue to need to take steps of faith and encounter God's presence and keep Him central in order to see greater victories. But I think for the just a couple reasons in this passage here, when, when God's kind of calling them to, to make this monument, three things that I saw for why we should tell our story, why we should open our mouths and speak of God's victories in our life. Is this hard for some of you guys? Is it hard to talk about what God has done? Like, is it hard to kind of share those types of things with people? Who would be honest? Like, literally, like, raise your hand and say, yeah, that's kind of me. It's kind of hard. It's hard to talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. Like, I, I appreciate your honesty. It is. It's difficult to, to do that. It's really difficult. And I think what we need to do is just remind ourselves of why we should open our mouth and say something. I'll just throw all three of them up there. One, people need to know what God has done. Verse 21 and 22 says, In the future your children will ask, What do these stones mean? And he goes on to say, this is where God delivered. They, they made this monument. They made this monument so that when people would look at it, when their children would look at it, they'd say, Dad, Mom, what does that mean? And it gave them an opportunity to tell the story. It gave them an opportunity to declare the victory of God. It gave them an opportunity to share with their child when God was bigger than the opposition. When God allowed them to overcome the, the, the obstacle in front of them because of his power. And it reminds the future generations. It reminds maybe a person in your own life who hasn't experienced God's power, who hasn't experienced the victory of God, to see the victory of God in your life. Why should you tell your story? Because people need to know what God has done. You know, there are people out there who have never encountered God's presence. You know, and we can take that for granted sometimes. Walking in relationship with God and, and sensing His direction and being ministered to through His Word or challenged through, 
through maybe people or individuals speaking into our lives. And there are people who have never encountered that in their life. And it might just be you who can speak up to encourage an individual to be the presence of God in their life. To see, wow, God actually has done something for this person. We tell our story because people need to know what God has done. We also tell our story because we need to remind ourselves of His power. Verse 23 says this, For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes and kept it dry until you were all across, just as He did with the Red Sea. They pointed back to the Red Sea. Those past, like history's past, right? We talked about that. It, it, it's, the, it's the thing that allows us to move forward in faith. Um, we remind ourselves of his power. When we tell our story to other people, it increases our own faith because we're reminding ourselves. You know, I'll tell you what, finances, uh, for me at least, are like the thing. I get a little, like, you know, I'm a little bit of a nerd. I like to pinch my pennies and sometimes... That's a temptation for me to worry about things. And, and that's, that's an area where I just remind myself countless times of when God just shows up in the most ridiculous ways. Like my past two vehicles, I haven't even paid for. They've been given to me. I've had people pay for my rent for an entire month. I had people drop like 1300 bucks on a, on a Bible editing software just so I can preach better. You guys should be saying thank you. We'll see if it starts working because that literally just happened like a week ago. Um, so, but God does incredible things. And, and I remind myself of the victories uh, of finances in my own life because for me, it, it encourages me to keep taking a step of faith. It encourages me on Mission Sunday to say, you know what, scratch what I was going to do. Let's do more because of the victories that I've had because I know God is bigger and God is greater. And so, we tell our story not only for, for other people to see what God has done, but to remind ourselves of His power. And lastly, we tell our story because it gives God glory. I mean, if we were to tell our story for, for one simple reason and that was it, then we should be telling our story because our story points people back to God. It points people that might not experience Him or haven't experienced Him, it points them back to Him. Back to his power and his presence. Verse 24 says, he did this, right? Pointing back to God. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. We got to share our story. We have to share the victories that God gives us in our life because it gives glory back to God. We hope that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more about 242, you can email Pastor Justin at jcorkum at manchesterassembly.org. You can also tweet us at 242NH. Again, that's T-W-O-42-N-H. Or on Facebook, you can look us up under 242 Young Adults. We look forward to your feedback, and we'll see you next time.